Good morning to those of you who are with us online this morning. We are excited that you are with us. We have a great thing ahead for you today and the weeks to come. We're starting a sermon series today that's called Family Ties. I've been encouraged to uh, to speak and preach on the end of times, and so I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do it this way. Pay attention to your family. And you'll see kind of how that unpacks. You know, it's interesting to me because in Matthew 28, 19, uh, we read the scripture this way in our versions. Go therefore into all the nations and make disciples. But in reality, in the Greek, this is how it's read. Go therefore into all the nations and disciple them. And there is a difference, and here's the difference. That Jesus, when he came to this earth, he said the kingdom of God is now at hand. That it is among us. The kingdom of God is here. It's now. He reminds us that if any man puts his hand to the plow and looks back, he is not fit for the kingdom. That there is work to be done. See, so when we look at discipleship, Jesus is saying, hey, my kingdom is ready for its workers to go out, to make a difference, to move forward, to not back up, to not look back, but to always look forward. You see, Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says it this way. He said, the kingdom of, of heaven is, is forcefully advancing and violent men take it by force. And he is not talking about violent men necessarily in the physical nature. He's talking about violent men in the spiritual nature. That we have a responsibility. Listen, uh, Charles Spurgeon said it this way. We are not just shining brass on a sinking ship. Some of us, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And so for some of us, we're looking at this escapism uh, theology that, boom, we're just, he's going to take us away before we feel any pain, before we feel any hurt. And yet Jesus said, in this life, you will have troubles. Matter of fact, in Mark, what does he tell his disciples? He said, are you willing to drink from the cup of which I am willing to drink? We should be training up our children, our families, our households to endure. Because there is something known as the perseverance of the saints. You know how many people I've seen walk away from the faith in my own lifetime because they felt like Jesus should have healed them. Jesus wouldn't want them to suffer, and He doesn't want us to suffer. But He would rather us set up His kingdom upon this earth for Him to come back because Jesus is coming back to reign and to fulfill all things. And so one of the things that we have to be responsible with is making disciples, church. And one of the greatest places and areas, spheres of influence that we have are our families. Right there, God gave us a family. Now maybe you don't have a family, but you have a church family. And this church family loves you. We desire to spend time with you. We desire to help you be discipled into Christ and what His passion and what His gift set is upon you. What your calling is. This is what the Apostle Paul was doing. I mean, he said, just as we are called in one hope of our calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, what's he looking at doing? He's saying, hey, come together because there is ministry at hand. There are things to do. The, the parable that we look at so oftentimes to show laziness is, of course, this parable of the steward, if you will, the the one, the parable of the talents. Some of you know it as the parable of the talents. And, and there's this one who, who takes his talent that he's given and he goes and buries it until his master comes back. He goes away and secludes himself and says, my master's going to come back and he's going to get what, what he's given me. 
And in some ways, when we look at our lives, this is how we look at our lives, church, is that we look at our lives in, in this way of, well, at least Jesus will get me back. But what he's looking for is that to be multiplied. And the best place to multiply yourself, the best place to disciple this world is to start within our family units. That's the reason this fall we have intentionally gone after the families because Satan is after the families as well. We know this. I mean, you can look at all the statistics. I mean, 50% of Chris, actually 52% now of Christian marriages uh, end up and wind up in divorce. What's happening? Their pursuit is not of God nor one another. They grow or they drift apart. Satan has intentional seeds that he sows out there, hoping that, that his seeds will be the ones that multiply in our lives instead of God's seeds that are supposed to multiply in our lives. If he busts up the family unit, then this is what he gets. He gets part of the church because the basic unit of the church is what? Family. So church, we have a sphere of concern, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit this morning, but we have a sphere of influence that God has placed in our midst, and we better start influencing. There is a reason why we did blended families with Ron Dealer. We were supposed to a month ago, and he's coming next month. The COVID got him. Just say that, you know, it showed up, and so we had to postpone that event. But Miles Sweeney was here this week, and we did kingdom families. And parents, you learned a lot of techniques and strategies, biblical strategies on how to raise your children to know the Lord. Pew Research, a brand new study, 2020 study says this, 52% of teenagers say they don't believe as their parents do. 52% of kids being raised in a Christian home do not believe as their parents believe. 17% of those kids who were interviewed said that it causes a major conflict within their home. Yeah, it's going to church. 45%, <coughs> excuse me, 45% um, of Christian teens feel that other religions may be true as well. 45% of supposedly these Christian teens who are being raised in these Christian homes don't understand that when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, believe that there are other venues, other ways, other avenues to reach the heavens. You know, all other religions, you've probably heard this, are man's attempt to reach God. But in Christianity, it's God's attempt to reconcile the world back to Him through His Son, the blood of Jesus Christ. That's, that's, that's the way it is, see? And, and when I think about 52% of teenagers say they don't believe as their parents do, you know, isn't it amazing that, that we find Jesus... When the disciples come to Jesus, they said, what are the works of God that we may do them? And Jesus said, here's the work of God, that you believe in the one whom he has sent. We have a responsibility to teach our children and to instruct our children and to show our children who Jesus is so they will believe in Christ Jesus. And I'm telling you, parents, those of you who brought your kids to church with us this morning, bless you because you are attempting, you are striving for them to know who Jesus is. Now, let me give you some good news this morning. The gospel is good news, right? Come on, church. The gospel is good news. It is God's will that none would perish. That is His will. So He has given us these family units. Matter of fact, from the very first in Genesis, what does He say? It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, the interesting thing, the helper suitable for him, well, they had a little bit of sin issue, right? They fell in the garden and then they have offspring. 
Mm-hmm. The children. Man, they were doozies. They were doozies. But let me give you some good news before we go down that road. 77% of teenagers who live in a believing family unit, they have a heart of thanksgiving and a heart of gratitude. Man, that opens the heavens to have a heart like it. Let me give you another good one. This is a good one that came out of that Pew Research study. Here's another one. 50% of teenage Christians actually have a spiritual peace upon their life. Now, I would like to see that higher, that, that, that much higher, but I'm, I'm thankful for the 50% who are teenagers who have some kind of peace. You know what I'm saying? Whew. So where are we going? I'm going to talk to you today about family ties, about keeping your hands to the plow. Parents don't give up. Let me tell, let me say something to parents that, that parents, your child may be 30, 40, 50 year old, 50 years old and not walking with Jesus. Don't give up on them. Don't quit. Keep praying. Keep instructing. Keep showing them the admonition of the Lord because God wants them as much as He wants you. He has a desire, but He still puts you in, in, in their lives for a reason. Now, children, children, don't give up on God and don't give up on your parents. Yeah. Sometimes it looks like uh, my parents don't know the Lord. They don't act like the Lord. My parents are silly. They're goofy. I mean, you should see them at home when they're in their natural state. They're at church this morning, but you didn't see them before we came to church. They're like yelling at get ready! They weren't acting very Christian this morning. Now they're loving and hugging and everything else. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 is going to be our verse this morning. We're going to really unpack this verse. It says this, children, Obey your parents as unto the Lord. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which this is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long upon the earth. And we all know the little cliche that that went out, you know, I, I brought you into this world and I have the power to take you out. Now, in Old Testament Scripture, they could. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I like really another version that says, bring them up in the instruction and the admonition of the Lord. You see, here's the cool thing. When we let our, our light shine before men, where they can see our good way, works and give glory to our Heavenly Father, the Matthew 5 principle, when we do that at home, then our children see our admonition for the Lord. It's attractive. Admonition's an incredible word that just talks about how attractive our children or those around us in our sphere of influence, how that attractiveness appeals to them through our admonition of the Lord. So, of course, I'm going to start this morning with the role of a child. As a matter of fact, I'm going to, going to mix that in with young adult too, but I'm going to start with the role of the child. Now, the Scripture states that children are a blessing from the Lord. Let's start there. Your children are a blessing from the Lord. And some of you this morning are probably going, um. <laughs> they don't feel like much of a blessing right now. Hey, listen, right now in my life, I've got three teen- teenagers and one of them's an Aggie. I get it. All right. But look, we've got to look at the family unit. 
We've got to look at, at the family unit is the basic unit of the church. And we're going to break the series down to this, the role and responsibility of a child, the role and responsibility of 20s and teenagers and young adults. And I'll throw children in there a little bit this morning for the sake of time and because most of our children are back in the back. But we're going to look at these roles. We're going to look at the role of the parent within the household. The role and responsibilities that we parents are supposed to be doing when our children are certain ages and throughout their ages. And also, we're going to look at the role of the grandparent. I've not heard this taught before, but we're going to teach it here. What is the role of the grandparent in a children's life, in the family unit today? So that's kind of what this series of family ties is going to be. But today, I'm going to be talking to the young adults and the teens and the tweenies. And if there are some children in here uh, listen up. I want you to know first that you are wonderfully and fearfully made is what the scripture says about you. You are beautiful. There are no accidents, no accidental parents. I mean, th- or there may be accidental parents, but there's no such thing as an accidental child. Absolutely, absolutely not. It took your parents DNA to come together in order to make you. Jesus loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. Now, abortion short circuits the will of God. You just need to know that because there's a plan. You know, man, this isn't in my nose. Let me just throw this out there. We're trying to get everybody to the polls to vote right now. And there's a generation out there that was never allowed to vote. God has a plan and a purpose for each in every one of us. He loves you. He, he loves you as a child. And as a child, as a child of God, as a tweenie in God, as a teenager in God, as a young adult, I want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. He loves you and you have a role and you have a responsibility in your family and to your family. A scriptural responsibility that we're going to talk about today. We find in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, Jesus doing something. Matter of fact, his parents are looking for him. So, so his parents are, are, are trying to find uh, Jesus. And you know where they find him? They find him at church. They find him in the synagogue. Parents, think with me just a moment. Do your kids drag you to church or you drag them to church? Right? Think what it would be like to say, hey, uh, where's Jesus? Oh my goodness, we, we misplaced him for a couple days. You talk to him, you see, you know where he's at. He's in the synagogue. And you know what it said about him? That at this time, when we figure it's around the age of 12 to 13, we figure that, that, uh, uh, Jesus, this is why confirmation happens usually about this time because it's the age of accountability. And, and the scripture's teaching us something here that age, that Jesus grew. He grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man is what the scripture says right there. So at the age of 12 or 13, if you're 12 or 13 out here or coming in or going out of that age, let me tell you something. You should be growing in these three areas. Mm-hmm. You should be growing in that stature. All of y'all like to grow in stature. You know, I got boys around here like show me their muscles. So let me show you a little something. Anyway, <laughs> right? They like the stature part. But, but what's it mean to grow in wisdom? What's it mean to grow in favor with God and with man? I can tell you, I once heard a woman say, you know, you need to raise children not, not, not only for you to love them or for you to like their ways, but how about you raise children that other people like to be around? That was Jesus. He goes to this synagogue. He's there 
right? And, and he's growing in favor with God and with man. That's where we're supposed to be as children. But sometimes for children, and almost all the time for teenagers and tweeners, we don't want to, to hear the first part of, of what Paul is trying to tell us in, in chapter 6. He's, he's sitting here and he's saying, hey, the first thing you need to know is this commandment with a promise, and it starts with obedience. It starts with obeying. You see, Jesus went to the church to learn what it meant to obey. Now, I understand He's God, and I'm not taking His deity away from Him. But as an example to each one of us, each one of you that are that age, Jesus understood He was to obey His parents. He understood also that He was to obey His Lord, to learn from God, to teach of God's Word. Even within His family unit, He asked the question, who are my brothers and my sisters? And then the Apostle Paul comes along and he says, hey, listen, you need to go back to the Old Testament in some ways. You need to learn what it means to obey your parents. We taught our children this. We, we said, uh, and they can, they can quote me. I mean, they all know this, this little saying. Obedience brings... Oh, you forgot? I'm just kidding. Obedience brings blessing. Disobedience brings consequences. They, they all know this. We say it time and time and time again. And sometimes for children, and almost all the time, like I said, for teenagers and tweenies, we don't want to obey. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Have you ever heard that in your home? Well, all of a sudden, growing up, nobody's going to tell me what to do. I didn't have a choice for you to be my parents. Well, listen to me, teenies out there. They didn't have a choice either. You know what I'm saying? They, they really didn't. They may have prayed for you for 10 years. They may have prayed that you would show up. But they didn't know you were going to be you. <laughs> and you didn't know, you didn't know that, that they were going to be them either. Did you know this? That estimates, they vary here, but this is a pretty close estimate. From the time of birth to the time of 18, that it cost $275,000 to raise a child today. Mm -hmm. I've got four of them. I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> it's going to cost you something, but of course there's, there's some things that money can't buy. Oh, blessed is the man whose quiver is full. Is full of children. I wouldn't exchange any of them. Oh, our family's a beautiful thing in my life today. You know, children are truly a gift from the Lord. God so loved us. And, and, and God calls us His children. And, and we cost Him the last drop of His Son's blood so that we could all be the family unit of God. Moving on for His kingdom. Looking ahead at how we can expand and multiply His kingdom upon this earth. The Scripture tells us that God desires obedience over sacrifice. So teens, tweens, young adults, God desires obedience over sacrifice. He is looking for us to have a heart of obedience. Every parent loves it when their child obeys. Parents, we also should have an expectation that they would obey us. It's okay to have that expectation. And if they don't, it's okay to address it as a parent. Without boundaries, without rules, without parameters for their well-being, we can only expect them to rebel. 
If we don't correct, we cannot expect. I wrote that. I think I got it from O.J. Simpson's trial. You know, if it don't fit, you can't equip. But anyway, <laughs> the truth is, if we don't correct, <laughs> that wasn't in my notes either. <laughs> I'm sorry, Church Online. See, you're getting this live today. This is live. This is what happens when you're not here. You know, I mean, this is just stuff that goes on. But here's the thing. If we don't correct, we, we truly can't expect. And God has an expectation that we would correct our children. Right, that's part of their admonition coming into the Lord. I was thinking the other day that the writing that we have, right? The writing that, that we see, the, the burning of the flag, the irresponsibility to hold others accountable to the law. You see, I believe that happens through an orphan's heart. That, that we have generations among us today that were never really in a family unit, or if they were, most probably grew up with one uh, of the parents instead of both of them. What happens when orphans are raised, they're looking for, for something. When parameters haven't been set in their life, they're looking for someone to set those parameters. You want to know why people are pushing socialism? Because they're, they're, they're young adults that never grew up to be adults. I'll just say it the way it is. It's, it's the truth. This tells me that they cannot make boundaries for themselves. You see, as we have our kids and our family unit, we set boundaries so that one day they learn how to set their own boundaries. They become men and women of God who say, no trespassing right here. I don't look like everybody else. When I go on a date, I have an expectation that you don't cross this line. I have boundaries that are set. I take this all the way to, to if you want, even wearing a mask. I believe adults can wear masks. I do. And, and, and I'll respect you. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. But I will tell you this. An adult says, this is who I am. This is who God created me to be. I'll wear it if, if I think I'm taking care of you. And don't come within six feet. And it's okay to put your hand out. Set your boundaries. That's part of being an adult. We don't have to be told whether or not we can come to church or not come to church. When you grow up, take care of yourself. Protect you. Protect your children. And there may come a time where, where we have to do this within the church, no doubt. But let me tell you, I just truly believe in raising our children up where they know what is responsible for them. Where their own boundaries are set because they were raised in a household that showed them what boundaries are. See, socialism will tell them this is how much you're going to be paid. This is how much you're going to eat. It all pays the same. It's all equal. It'll take out the work ethic and we are to pour, pour work ethic within our children to teach them, to show them, to share with them the responsibilities of the household and also of the household of God. You see, the truth is to obey is to be governed. And I hope one day the Holy Spirit within each one of my children will govern them in all the decisions that they make and they will become adults. And they will not be liabilities, but they will be assets wherever they are. The truth is, is that to obey is to be governed. Now, in our lifetimes, there are three forms of government. The family government, that's where we start. The second one is the church government. It's known as theocratic government. There's always going to be somewhat of a governmental uh, element to church. It's just there. And the third one is civil government. There is a type of government that will govern the, the civility of humanity wherever we are being raised or brought up or we live. Those three governments are out there. 
But if they don't learn it in the family, be careful where, where they learn it. If they don't learn it through the church, be careful that the civil government is what's sowing the seed within them. We have the responsibility first and foremost. So, children want to be governed. You know how I know this? Because it's what God commands us to do. So there is an innate place in a child, even though they rebel, they really want authority in their lives. They really want direction. They want to know what it means to be and become an adult. The second thing that this scripture that Paul talks to us about is to honor our parents, to honor them. One of the things about honor is this. We are to honor the gray hair, the white hair, the blue hairs. Now, youth, at every camp that you go to, you're going to hear this. Youth, you are the hope for the world. You are. But let me tell you something. The true hope for the world are the gray hairs, the white hairs, those who have lived life long enough. In our culture today, you know American culture is the only culture in the world that actually no longer has a place for the elderly. We try to stick them and put them in place and we prefer the expert over the sage today in our culture. It's a dangerous place to be. We should be pushing our children to be with their grandparents. The grandparents probably know something if they're walking with the Lord. And our children should have a heart for the elderly and want to learn from them because the hope from the world comes from wisdom. It's there. And by the way, did you see the color of my hair this morning? It's turning. I pray for wisdom. Look, listen, we always tell our youth and young people the things that, that should encourage them to be the hope for the world, but they need to realize they stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before. We all do. Children, honor your parents. What does this look like? Well, first, look at the text. It says to honor your father and mother that it may be, that it may go well with you and that you may live long upon the earth. In other words, you're going to learn through honor, an honor system, how to be an asset and not a liability. Children, call your parents. Children, learn to spend time with your parents. God is saying, as you honor them, you will be blessing. The blessed, you will be blessed. The blessing is for you. Children, young adults, as you get older, you will begin to see their flaws. You know, that's what happens with tweenies and teenies. Let me just tell you something out there. Your parents are flawed. Yes, and every parent is flawed. But this gives you no excuse not to honor the position in your life. Now, if they abuse you, do ungodly things to you, hurt you beyond Scripture, that's different. But I'm, I'm, I'm saying that if your parents brought you to church this morning, they deserve, because of their position, your honor. Honor them. A family that is pursuing God, that has children, needs to teach their children to honor their parents. When we hold people in an honorable way, it passes on from generation to generation. And when we don't, I want you to know something, that passes on as well. I don't have time. I'm already 27 minutes into the message. This worries me a little bit. So I don't have time to open up Genesis chapter 9 with you, but I want you to know Noah builds an, a, a, a huge ark in the desert, in the sand. And I'm sure his kids, from all their peers and all their friends, said, your dad's a nut. I'm sure my kids have heard it. 
Your dad's a nut. I mean, he's out here. It doesn't rain in the desert. He's got this massive ship. What's going on? And the time it started sprinkling to the time the water started running. Now, all of a sudden, he's looking smarter. I'm sure their kids, Ham, Sham, and Japheth, they're like, oh, you got room on there for us, Dad? Because this thing's getting crazy out here. They get on the ship. They sail. 40 days. They wind up hitting land. And when they hit land, I don't know what happened here. I don't understand this story completely. But the grapes had fermented. And Noah took part. And the Scripture states that Noah was drunk and naked in his room. That's a bad place to be. It doesn't say that he was naked and drunk. Fortunately, he was drunk and naked I don't know why I even threw that in, but I did. But here's what happens. You, you have this man named Ham. One of his sons goes to his brothers and said, have you seen dad? Oh my gosh. And so he's spreading around, dad, I mean, I see his flaws. And this is a major, major flaw. This man's a godly man. This guy built uh, uh, this ark in the desert. I mean, this guy's incredible. But do you see what he's done? He is drunk and naked. Now, like Sham... Shem and Japheth and what they do. Uh, Japheth. Don't name your child in COVID season Japheth because you can't say that without spewing a little. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Ham, Shem, and Japheth. <laughs> Those two, they go back to their father's room and the Scripture said that they took a sheep between the two and backed up and didn't even look upon their father's nakedness. Do not even look at their father's nakedness in order that they may not dishonor him. You know what happened to Ham? Some people think uh, they call it the cursing of Ham or Ham was cursed. The curse really didn't rest upon Ham. You know what the scripture says? It rests upon his generations. Dishonor impacts and affects generation to generation. So important that we see this. The final thing I've got through honor is learn how to listen to your parents. Don't just listen to reply. A lot of tweenies and teenies will listen to reply. Well, I know I'm going to answer that. I already thought you would say that. Listen to understand instead of listening to reply. Learn to have an ear for what your parents are trying to say. Proverbs 13.1 says it this way. A wise son heeds his father's instruction. Another version reads this way. It reads, intelligent children listen to their parents. Teenagers, young adults, listen, as you get older, you will begin to see their faults. You're going to begin to see their flaws. And sometimes it's going to cause you to ask the question, are they really godly anyway? Well, listen, help them in their ungodliness. It's okay to do that. Hopefully they won't go from a hero to a zero in your eyes. Years ago, Wade and I were turkey hunting. We were sitting in a tent and I had a little box call and it was, ar, 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 ar. And I had one, a Tom, that kept answering me. But he just wouldn't come in. So I said, Wade, let's go get him. So we walked down to the creek. We crossed the creek bottom. We come up on the other side. And in this meadow, there's this Tom turkey. And and he hasn't seen us yet. And I throw my rifle up. And it's just a 17 HMR. It's not a big rifle, but I can, I'm a good shot. So man, I get it on his head. And I'm getting ready to squeeze that trigger off. And I squeeze that trigger off. And it goes, click, it misfired. Never misfires. And I said a four-letter word. Now, you need to know, my wife and I were married for 13 years before she ever heard me say one. 
I was never in the Navy. I don't cuss like a sailor. Okay, I was in the Army. But Wade heard me say it. And he didn't say anything. I ejected the shell. Bird runs off. Story's over. Get in the car. We're driving home. We've been in Lipscomb County. Got a long drive. And out of nowhere, Wade says these words. He said, Dad, I heard you. I heard you. I said, what'd you hear? He said, I heard you say a bad word. I said, no, you didn't. He said, no, Dad, serious. I, I, I heard you say it. It starts with a D. I'm sure that's what you said. I said, no, you didn't. I argued with him. And then I left the conversation for about 20 minutes and I repented in my spirit. And then I came back to Wade and said, Wade, I want you to know something. I can struggle with this. I can struggle. I don't want you to. And I apologize to you that you heard me say that word. You see, but here's the neat thing. When a child honors their father, like even in this situation, honor, respect, listening to them, all can be found to honor them. Honor is actually spelled this way. T-I-M-E. Time. Every parent wants time with their children. And we love it when our children want to spend time with us. Correct us if we're wrong, but we love it when you want to spend time with us. You know, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, and Wade revealed something that I still need to protect the things in my heart that are good and get rid of the things that are not of God. When I think about time with with parents, and I'm going to end with this, and once again, we don't have time to, to necessarily look at this, but what you will see is from the story of Abraham and Isaac. Abraham is taking Isaac up on the mountain to sacrifice. And Isaac, the son, it's obvious that he spent a ton of time with Abraham. And the neat thing about this, that this time that he spent with him, as they approached the mountain, Isaac asked his dad, Abraham, where is the sacrifice for the offering? And Abraham answers him and says, the Lord will provide. Of course, you think for a long time it's going to be Isaac, but there, when they get to the top, there's a ram hung up in the bush. One's coming up this side. This is a beautiful story. As Abraham walked with his heavenly father, he also showed his son how to have faith in his heavenly father. And as Abraham walked by faith, coming up on the other side of the mountain was provision. God will provide. When we take that time to spend with our children, and children, when you take that time to honor and obey your parents and spend time with them, listen to them, God is going to give us provision as a family unit to bring forth His kingdom to this earth. Would you pray with me? Father God, I just thank You for life and life everlasting. I pray, Father, that we wouldn't lose focus of our first fear of concern or influence, Lord. Our first fear of influence, Lord, is the sphere that You place us in within our family unit. The responsibilities and roles of a child, the responsibility and role of a young adult, the responsibility and role of parents and grandparents. Father, teach us May we keep our hand to the plow and be found worthy. Be found worthy on the day of our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask if you would to please stand and the altar team to make their way forward this morning. And as the altar team makes their way forward this morning, just know this, that we're here to pray for you, to pray with you. Maybe you have a son or daughter that you want us to pray for and to help 
help uh, sow a seed in you to encourage you in the faith. You know, this is why Jesus has called us together. Where two or three are here, there He is in our midst. When we call upon the name of the Lord, He does something great and incredible in our lives. Lord, the family unit is too precious. Too precious to throw it out there with a swine. There's a lot at stake today. We're watching orphans try to run something that they've never been directed and they need a father. And by the way, we can show the orphans our heavenly father. I want to encourage you this morning. If you would like prayer, I encourage you to come and receive prayer. If you want them to wear a mask, that's fine. Say, please put a mask. That's fine. We, we're not going to judge over little things like that. We're not going to judge, period. Well, maybe. We're not. I want to encourage you to come and receive prayer. Otherwise, may you go. Hang on to that family. Disciple that family because that's our command. Go into all the world and disciple them. Jesus has an expectation that His kingdom set up. And we are to be kingdom bearers, kingdom takers. Go and disciple and start with your family. Amen.